a push for us to try to get on face back. Yeah, we're trying. On Monday. We're but, attempting. But but Will Ferrell, I think he owns the rights to, <laughs> to face back from the other guy's movie. Remember? Yes, so oh, I, I never well. forget what he's like. He I invented face back. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Blaine Fowler. Again, this is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. And as part of that play-by-play, we welcome in former BYU basketball sharpshooter Zach Selyus, part of one of the all-time great BYU basketball teams that were unfortunately shut down by COVID. But still, nothing can take away what they accomplished. I will, never, I will never stop saying that the two teams that got gypped the most by COVID were BYU and Dayton. Certainly. That year. So Well, Zach, uh, because he's an optimistic guy making the most of his professional basketball career and so much more. Zach, great to have you on the show. How are you? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Hey, and you're doing your thing in, uh, should we call it the Middle East, in the country of Georgia? Like, I, we were all kind of fascinated on how you ended up there, and then the numbers you were putting up over there were eye-popping, man. Tell us about that experience. What was it like to play basketball in the country of Georgia? I mean, it was awesome. Um, I actually signed with a new agent at the time. Um, we were, you know, talking with the team actually in Hungary for about two weeks. And on the very last day that we were about to sign, you get it ready to go. Uh, this team in Georgia called and said, we really want you. We'll basically double your offer. And, and so I was like, all right. And within that day, we looked up where it was because we thought it was Atlanta, but it wasn't and end up being in Europe somewhere. And we signed within 24 hours because we knew it was right. And we ended up in Georgia and (laughs) it ended up being awesome. I mean, nobody's ever heard of it. It is greatest people in the world. I mean, you don't see, you don't hear about a lot of Georgians. I mean, everyone knows Zaza Pachulia. Yeah. And he is the, he's the face of Georgia and he's the man, the myth, the legend there. And so it, it's just awesome. It was a great country, great place to live. I mean, now one of my sons are born there. And so it just, it has a place down deep in our hearts now. I was going to ask you, I mean, how was it for the family? Did they, did you fit in there? Did they find great things to do? And how did you guys grow as a family? Basically being on the road together for a whole year. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was an adjustment for sure. Um, Going out there, you know, being at a new place with our family, um, raising a, a boy there at the start and then having a baby there. I mean, it all kind of was a little crazy, but the people there all loved. We walked down the street. They would see my son. They would pick him up without even saying anything. (laughs) They would give him a hug, and they would just give him right back, and then they would keep going on with their day. And, I mean, it ended up being the best place. I mean, a lot of people ask if it was a scary place to be. It was not scary at all. I mean, the people there really are fantastic, and 
it was we were a part of a great nation and then a part of a great team and organization that we were able to have our family you know come to practice and hang out or come to the gym and just be a part of it and it was just an awesome experience Zach Selyus on BYU Sports Nation. All of this begs the question, Zach, because you had such a great experience, are you going to go back to Georgia and play another season, or is there something else in your future? Um, I probably won't go back to Georgia. Um, Right now we're looking to go to a different country, probably a bigger, better league. Um, Hopefully just keep working our way up the ladder. Um, so that's basically the way we just got to keep grinding and keep going through this process for, for fans that don't understand how like basketball in Europe works, the different leagues are at different levels, right? And, and ultimately if you play in the highest level, we've had multiple players come from that highest level to the NBA. What, what is the highest level? What, what countries and what leagues play at the highest level over there where you want to get? So the highest level over there is obviously the Euro League, um, where Elijah Bryant and Brandon Davies all played. Jimmer played there for a season. Um, th- that's obviously the goal is to get to that Euro League. And below that, you have, you know, Euro Cup, Champions League, and then a bunch of other cups that every country is a part of. But this is all just Europe. I mean. Then you go to Asia and Asia has theirs. And then, you know, South America has their leagues. And, but the Euro league is definitely, you know, the top league that most guys want to get to. Um, So that is the goal is to be able to get there. And obviously different countries um, give you a better opportunity to get to that higher league, whether that is the Euro league or Euro cup or champions league. Now, while you pursue whichever team you're going to play for, we think in Europe someplace, you've decided to step into the arena of the basketball tournament. And there are a handful of former BYU Cougars that are going to be in this tournament, notably the aforementioned Jimmer Fredette. You're not playing on his team, but why did you feel like, yeah, the basketball tournament seems like a good thing for me at this time? Um, I, I just think it was another opportunity to play, um, you know, anything to be able to get my name out there and to be able to just prove myself. Um, I mean, with this whole process of playing professionally, you know, the biggest thing that we can be told is no. So just being able to try everything we possibly can until we're told no. And, you know, this tournament is, you know, awesome. And as soon as I got a call, asking if I'd be a part of this team, I was like, yes, like right away, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to work it out until I can just play in at least that first game. And then, you know, why not see how far we can go and for such a good cause and for, you know, the opportunity to play for a million dollars and then to play against all these great players like Jimmer, who's in this tournament with a great team that he is, and, you know, it was just a great opportunity, and uh, there was no hesitation on saying yes to playing it. For, for those of you that want to watch Zach and track his team, he's on Team Fight Diabetes. So you mentioned you got a phone call. What, what's your connection? How did you end up on this team? <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I have no idea how I ended up on this team. <laughs> I got 
I got a message on Instagram. Uh, someone messaged me, was like, hey, would you be interested in playing in the tournament? What's your phone number? You know, and I just kind of casually was like, all right, yeah, sure. Here's this. Uh, not really thinking much of it. And he called me and was like, hey, we're serious about this. Would you want to play? And I, I was like, yes, sign me up. And ended up being like one of the first four on this team to be you know, signed up. He asked me if I knew anyone else. And I actually had a buddy who I played against in Georgia who I was like, oh, he needs to be a part of this too. And so we got him signed up with me. You know, we all got in the same team. And so we have two guys representing Georgia out there. And so it'll be, it'll be fun. So it was just kind of random how we got all hooked up. We can't wait to watch you play in the basketball tournament. Perhaps at some point you'll meet up with Jimmer. Who knows? We'll see if there's a, a yeah, BYU on BYU He's in the matchup. Dayton region. What region are you guys in? We're in Cincinnati. So okay. you're so you're gonna have to you have to win that region to meet him, right? Yeah. Well, he's gonna have to win too. So <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm. Hey, that was that was implied. I didn't have to say that, Zach. Yeah. So you both you both have to win the regions for you to play against one another. Yes. Yes. So, so we're hey we're gonna root, we're gonna root for you both to, Abs- absolutely to, to win those regions and and hey and to share in a million bucks. We're rooting for you for that too. Zach, I I do want to address one of the most impressive things that I've seen from you, and it happened while you were playing for BYU. And maybe it was a little off the radar, but Blaine and our producer Ben and all of us were talking about this morning, but we watched you evolve your role, your specific role on the 2020 squad with uh, Mark Pope in place. I mean, you brought in... Jake Toulson and TJ Haas and Yoli Childs came back. Then Alex Barcella was there. Clearly, there were a bunch of guys who wanted to take a bunch of shots, and you kind of just morphed your role into a unique type of stretch where you became a beast defender and rebounder. And, I mean, you you originally were just like the sharpshooting three-point specialist, right? So walk us through that mentality change. How did you do that? Because in our day and age, it feels like, a lot of guys don't want to change. They just want to move. Oh, you don't want me to shoot? I'll transfer. I'm going to tra- go to the transfer board. I'm out. I'm out. So wh- what did you do to evolve your role for the betterment of the team? I mean, for me in general, um, and this is a big thing that BYU has taught me. This is a big thing my family lives by is that we're winners. I mean, whatever it takes to win and Coach Pope came in and you now he's a winner too. And so being able to adjust my game just to help the team win, whatever it took, whether it was just getting one rebound or whether it's playing 30 minutes, like whatever it was to help the team win, I was kind of about it. And the biggest thing that came from that whole year and from that summer to be able to begin that 2020 season was – you know, just to have fun. I mean, basketball became so serious and so overwhelming that, you know, nobody was really having fun. And we kind of adjusted that as a team, you know, in that summertime to just like start having fun. You know, we went to Italy and we were able to, you know, just enjoy it as a team to be able to play. And then, you know, obviously I had that injury and everything that came with it, but that process of, recovering and the process of starting that season with a new coach 
new teammates coming in and being able to just kind of like have nothing to lose mentality where we're going to go out and play as hard as we can. We're going to have fun doing it. And then, you know, whatever it takes to do it. And, you know, we had some great players. I mean, you, like you said, TJ Hodge, Jake tools and Yoli childs. I mean, you have Dalton who was a big impact as well. Yeah. Who had games where he was an all-star and then there's games where, you know, he may not have even played and, you know, but just having guys like that on the bench, you know, that's how you win games. It's not about the guys out there scoring. It's about the guys all the way at the very end of the bench who are, you know, just a part of the team and helping. And I was all for that because I loved every single one of the guys down the line that I would give anything for them. And still to this day, I would do anything to help a guy get a job somewhere or, to even just hang out, you know, we just do so much together still because we just had that love for each other and, you know, being able to step back and kind of change a role, change the perspective of what our team was about. I was all for it because we, we just wanted to win. That's all it came down to just winning. Zach, can you come and talk to uh, the current BYU basketball yeah, I was team? Just, I was actually <laughs> thinking, Zach needs to come have a visit with this group. I, I'm, I'm wondering, you showed us a side of your game, which you obviously always had. Because it, it, it wasn't like it wasn't there, and then it just showed up. You always had it. But I think we all thought, oh, he's a finesse player. He's a jump shooter. This is what he is. In that season, it was like, whoa, this dude is a physical player. He's in there banging with, with people. He's he's an enforcer out on the floor, which is a part of your game that none of us knew you had, but you did. How, how, did, how does that help you now as a pro player? Man, I, I couldn't have been more blessed to be put in that situation in, at BYU. I mean, from my freshman year to my senior year, I played so many different positions, so many different roles that now playing professionally, I'm like my package of who I am as a player is just perfect for whatever situation I go in because I feel like I can do whatever it takes to get on a team and to be successful and to help the team. And European basketball is not soft. They are <laughs> not a single guy is soft out there. And so you have to be physical whether you're a point guard or a center, you have to be physical. And, you know, just like the NBA, you have the defensive and offensive three seconds where professionally you have smart guys just like the NBA, but you don't have that three-second rule. So when you drive, you're you're driving into three big dudes. And so you got to be able to, you know, compete with that. And I think for my four years at BYU – it helped me prepare myself to play as a professional because I was not, I wasn't scared to go in. You know, we were taught by coach Rose and coach Pope just to how to be professional to begin with. And then we were put in situations where it prepared us for that you know, time when we all became pros. Zach, we're so thrilled for your success. Uh, excited to see where your next adventure takes you. Certainly, we're going to be watching you in the basketball tournament, and uh, we wish you all the best and hope that uh, you and your family are uh, having blessed lives, and, and congratulations on the new baby. There's a lot happening, man, but we're just so so grateful that things are going well for you, and we appreciate the time on BYU Sports Nation.
Thank you guys so much. You got Zach Selyus on BYUSN. Just awesome. And he does need to come speak to this Dude, team. Right? He go, my goodness, that's exactly what this team needs right now, to understand that, that they got had fun. It, I love and, what and he said. love one another. My family is about winning, whatever that takes. Yeah. If it oh, means man. I play two minutes and get one rebound and that helps us win the game, great. Whatever you need me to do. Like, we need more of this in our society, in collegiate yeah. athletes, and that mentality, Blaine. Like, we just – we've lost it. Like, if I don't get what I want, I'm out. Yeah, it, it, uh, that was so refreshing. Um, and uh, a, lo- a lot of lessons that he just taught us right there. Yes. And that's why he's playing professional basketball right now. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. We come to you with this question at the top of What's Trending, and it's something that we referenced in the show lineup teaser. Is it more important to you as a BYU fan that a BYU quarterback has great success during his college career while he's wearing the BYU uniform, or is it about what he does once he goes beyond in the National Football League? And BYU has a long story in both of those realms. Okay, We saw great success from Nelson, Wilson, McMahon, Bosco, Young, okay? Ty Detmer, and then when you go into the modern era, John Beck, Max Hall, Taysom Hill, Zach Wilson, now Jaron Hall. Is it about what those guys do in a BYU uniform, or are we more about, oh, man, they won Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl champion. Look at what Zach Wilson's going to do. He's going to turn around the New York Jets potentially. Dave, what do you think? How would you answer the question? More important for BYU success or what these quarterbacks do in their professional careers? I'm going to go with BYU success. Because uh, that's, that's, that's where we are. That's what we're in. Um, they'll always be judged by how they were here. Love that Steve Young was so dominant with the 49ers. And McMahon wins the Super Bowl with the Bears. They carry that with them. But we have them back. Like Jim was here the other day. We have them back because they played here. And when they were here, McMahon set over 70 NCAA records. He didn't do that with the Bears. But you go to Chicago and he is the king of the city still. So I, I guess it's, it's relative to uh, your perspective, but I think it means more here than it does there. Steve Young, by the way, has, ha, is the number one, uh, what? The number one all-time representative of BYU outside of... Hard, hard to argue that he's not. Yeah. And, and he's done so much after football. But, um, man... He was a lefty running around like crazy down at the stadium. That's what we remember. And then he went to the NFL and became famous. I think it starts here. Sure. Yeah, both are good. This, that's the beautiful part about this question. Both matter. Both are important to BYU fans. But I feel like if we're discussing like legendary status of BYU guys, we care a lot about the prestige and the accolades they pick up while they're playing quarterback at BYU. The reason that the quarterback factory became a deal is because under Lavelle Edwards, all of these quarterbacks were winning prestigious awards. Right. While it was only Ty Detmer to win the Heisman, and McMahon was finishing third, 
You know, you interviewed him about that last week, and he's like, what the heck, man? How, co- how, how did, come I couldn't win how it? How did Ty win How did Ty win it, and I didn't? <laughs> it's probably because Ty broke all of Jim McMahon's all like records. They were second and third, it seemed. Yeah, Steve Young finished second. Robbie Bosco was top three. Mark Wilson was in that top three conversation. But they were winning the Davey O'Brien Award. Sammy uh, Baugh. Sammy Baugh Trophy. They, and again, yes, they were all first team or second team All-Americans. And sometimes consensus and sometimes multiple years, but depending those, on the quarterback. All those awards were reflective of their performance, which was reflective in the number of wins. Yes. And that's what we attach our memories yes. to. Remember At that one BYU. season we went 10-2 and two or this or that. But let's say, that, let's say this. You got, you got Jaron Hall. You want Jaron Hall as a first-round top-five draft pick? Yeah. Or would you rather see him in the top-five Heisman mm. voting? Mm. That, 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 that's an interesting question because it's been since Ty Detmer was the quarterback yeah. at BYU yeah. that the Cougars legitimately had a top-tier Heisman candidate. Zach Wilson, by nature of the beast, because the schedule was what it was in 2020, and to his credit, he maximized that and got himself to the number 2 overall pick, highest pick in BYU football history – but the schedule just wasn't there for him to have enough noise to get into the top five or the top three. Now, Jaron Hall is an interesting case because he's coming off a really good season, and he's the guy again, Dave. Zach yeah. Wilson's thing was a one-year deal. Jaron Hall has an advantage in this because he's coming back with some prestige to BYU, and so already he's showing up as, oh, man, number nine overall, could go as high as number six we've seen in some draft projections. Uh, most people have him now going at at worst, early second round, late first round. Zach Wilson was entirely off the radar, Dave. He was nobody had Zach Wilson getting drafted going into 2020. That's he right. was like, oh man, he's got incredible arm talent, but uh, 11 touchdowns, nine interceptions. He was injured. Uh, the, he's at best like an undrafted free agent. Then he goes all the way to the number two pick. Jaron Hall has an advantage against Zach Wilson in potentially getting some of these prestigious college awards because he comes back with hype. And a schedule. And a schedule that will only magnify that, right? We kind of look at these quarterbacks like we look at rock bands. You know, all, all the greatest music was from the 80s. That's where all the great quarterbacks are. It's coincidence? I don't know. But a, a band puts out a new song that's pretty good, but it's not anywhere near to the classics for some reason. And they're like, we're the same band. We're singing songs. Why is it you'll listen to these songs over and over again, but you'll barely give these a sniff? These new quarterbacks today, when we say, well, where do we put Wilson? Where do we put Hall in comparison to Young, McMahon, Wilson, you know, the greats? Yeah. And for some reason, they're not even on the same page. Even though one's the number two overall draft pick in the NFL, and the other one today projected as the number nine yes. overall pick. For some reason, we just attach greatness with our glory years, maybe our personal glory years, sure. and then we just dismiss the other stuff. <laughs> and I don't know why, but we do that all the time. And and in this case, um, these guys, BYU, you throw in Zach and, and Jaren, they're 21 and four in their last 25 games. You know, there's only three or four runs better than that in the history of BYU football. Uh, is that great enough for their BYU legacy, or do they have to go to the NFL and win with the Jets before we go, Zach Wilson does belong with Steve Young, Jim McMahon, Robbie Bosco, Ty Detmer conversation? Sure. I don't know. Time will tell, but I, but I, I just believe the college scene holds so much. Sure. And listen, we're going to talk to Jimmer Fredette in about five minutes. 
Case in point with Jimmer. Everybody knew BYU because of Jimmer. Right. He did that. He changed the entire perspective of the nation because of what he was doing in a BYU uniform. So if BYU was playing, they knew we get to watch Jimmer. They, they attached him to BYU, and I think BYU fans, I want, I for one specifically, would love the nation to be like, I get to watch Jaron Hall play if I watch BYU. I would like to see Jaron Hall ascend to that level where it's right. like, I want to watch him play, so i got to find BYU so that they're kind of intermingled. Jimmer was that special, and I'd like that to happen again. Jimmer is a rock star in BYU lore. Still is. Walks into arena, BYU fans who know him, Love him. Did Jimmer need a seven to eight year subpar NF, uh, NBA experience for BYU fans to love him anymore? I don't think so because of what they saw while he was here, what they experienced, what they felt. That's why they love Jimmer. We would have loved to have seen him in the NBA. But Absolutely. Did he need the NBA to justify his BYU stardom? No. Not if you lived. No. And neither did Ty Detmer, Dave. Yeah. The Heisman Trophy winner, the guy that finally ascended that mountain which McMahon and Young and Bosco and Wilson could not do. The guy that ascended, he is now associated with BYU football. Now you say Ty Detmer to just random people, random college football fans, they don't think, oh, Ty Detmer, the longtime backup and one-time yeah, starter with the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. No, they think, oh, yeah, the guy that won the Heisman for BYU. And beat Miami. Didn't he beat Miami? Beat, yes. yes. Beat Miami. Absolutely. Okay, our question of the day. You answer it. Both Dave and I feel like it resonates more if you do big things while you're in the BYU uniform, and then, hey, if it goes, turns into an amazing college or pro career, fantastic. Right. Fantastic. Is it more important to you that a BYU quarterback has college success or NFL success? Let's hear from you, BYUSN and Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Spencer Kenny Blake answers on Instagram. College. Trying to become a Jets fan, but it's an uphill battle. <laughs> it is for everyone. I feel every BYU win from the depths of my soul. Well said. Katoom150 answers on Instagram. Chicken or the egg? Well played. Yeah. Do we care more about what happens first or what comes second? Or do we even know what happens first? Yeah, I mean, in this instance, we know college comes first. But if you're amazing in the NFL... Does that trump if your college career was just pretty good and not, like, legendary? You know, Steve Young had a great college career. Uh, he had an awesome pro career. He was a better quarterback in the pros, won the Super Bowl MVP. But we love him because he played at BYU. I, I'll take that. Chicken, okay. Chicken or the egg. Okay. Come on. Hashtag BYUSN Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to join that conversation. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Around presented by Marisk, your integrated container logistics company, enabling global trade for a growing world. ESPN's Matt Miller has Jaron Hall projected as his ninth pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. That's number nine overall. What's the chance Jaron Hall is a top 10 draft pick? Oh, man. Listen, if Jaron does what Matt Miller is projecting him to do, yeah, chances are high. But that's asking a lot against a really tough schedule. So if Jaron wins 10 or 11 games against that slate, 
yeah, mark me down for, hey, 80, 90%, he's going top 10. Right now, I feel confident that Jaron Hall is probably going to go where most people have him projected. That's late first round, early second round. I'd put all my stock there. But, hey, if he does something special, Dave, let's say he's a top five Heisman candidate. BYU wins 10 games. Why not be a top 10 pick? He's got to go to Oregon. He's got Notre Dame in Vegas. He's got Arkansas here. He's got Stanford on the road. I'm missing somebody else. Who okay, Arkansas. Uh, Baylor. Oh, Baylor, that's Big right. Big 12 champs Revenge. coming in. Revenge There's game. a schedule there where he can build a profile. Yeah, here's the thing. Two keys. Stay healthy, win a lot of games. That's your path to a top 10 pick. That's your path to a job. <laughs> yeah, it really NFL. is. If you're wondering, just ask Zach. Zach, how would you do that? It is being reported that the Big 12 is targeting Brett Yormark as the next commissioner of the league. We talked about this earlier. Yormark, 55 years old, the COO for Rock Nation, an entertainment agency founded by hip-hop artist Jay-Z. Do you like the idea of the Big 12 bringing in a quote-unquote entertainment guy and not a college guy? By the way, 55 is the new 35. <laughs> so I don't worry about that. Uh, college football is different now. You know, and we'll talk football, but obviously he's the commissioner for all the sports. It's different now. It's, it's entertainment driven. It's get my product in front of the most eyeballs yep. all the time. And get the most money while doing it. And get the most money. And here comes a guy from the professional ranks, whether it's NASCAR or the, or the NBA, to make those kind of deals. I like that out of the box. I like that out of the box because he can go get something different. Sure. We'll see. When I first read the headline, I was like, ah, man, I wish Bob Bowlesby were sticking around because I like Bob Bowlesby. I think Bob's done great things. But even Bob's like, I'm out. NCAA's got their hands and everything. I'm out. I like this because he doesn't really have a relationship with the NCAA folks. He'll come and just be like, now nah, we're doing it this way. Yeah. Uh, we're going to make a ton of money. I like his business mentality to help the Big 12 go and get a huge TV contract, maximize the potential money and the advertisers. And frankly, like you said, he wants eyeballs. Guess what, Brett? We at BYU TV would love to put Big 12 fans' eyeballs on as many sporting events as possible. So yeah. I like that too. we got 69 million homes. I don't know if they're all watching this morning. They'd be smart if they were. That's just nationwide, not to mention worldwide, Dave. That's just nationwide. Which BYU Hoops transfer, Rudy Williams, Jackson Robinson, and Noah Waterman will have the biggest impact on the team this year? It's, It's going to be the point guard, Rudy Williams, by nature of him having the ball in his hand the most. And he's the guy that comes with the most experience and BYU's most important position to fill in all of these roster gaps was the point guard. So I think it's going to be Rudy Williams by nature of what he will do with the basketball. I think Waterman will have a big opportunity if he can shoot the three like like he has to open up things for Foose down low. Okay. As opposed to let's double team him and let those guys shoot kind of like what defenses yeah. did all last season to our three-point shooters who couldn't hit shots. He could be a big key into change. Okay, okay. Hey, if he's shooting 53% from the three-point line, hard to argue but with. But I him. like your point because someone's got to get him the ball. Yep. Jamal Williams, our good friend from the Detroit Lions. Look at this. Jay Swag Daddy <laughs> posted this photo of himself yesterday with the following caption. This is how the kid who asks his mom's new boyfriend for $5 stands. <laughs> <laughs>
I like this is how Eddie Murphy's stunt double in Coming to America 7 yes, stands. Jamal, Jamal is just a gem. And you answered the question, how would you caption the photo? You went right to Eddie Murphy. Yeah, he's got that smile going right there. That's Eddie Murphy playing for the Lions. Here's how I would caption the photo. I can't wait for Hard Knocks because <laughs> the Detroit Lions are going to be featured on HBO's Hard Knocks, and Jamal Williams is going to be the superstar of that preseason series. Oh, yeah. that's That has to be the reason they're even going. <laughs> How much would you have to get paid to let Mike Tyson bite part of your ear? <laughs> think about it. It's a business decision. I don't know. 10 million bucks? I think Holyfield got like 25 million. Yeah, at least as much as Holyfield then. That's the anniversary. It's a cash grab. Great quote by Mike Tyson. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Amen. Amen. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. I can't think of a better way to keep the energy rolling late in this show than by bringing on a guy who said in a Twitter post he is jacked to be at BYU. The new BYU women's basketball assistant coach Aaron Koloff is with us making his show debut. Aaron, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Excited to be here uh, and, and with you guys, uh, and it's going to be a, a great time today. We're going to have we're going to have a lot of fun. absolutely. Okay, so when you say you are jacked to be at BYU, it's a loaded statement. So. What does that mean? What, why, why are you so excited and amped and jacked to be at BYU? Well, with the transition going to the Big 12 and all the excitement, this is, this is going to be a great place to be, to build a program to compete and be at the top of the Big 12. And why was BYU the right fit for you? How did that play out for you in finding out about the job and knowing this is the spot I want to be? It's a combination of things. The, uh, we got you know just the tradition here the core values that they have here, family atmosphere, but also uh, with Amber leading, the, you know, leading her charge and her start here, wanted to be a part of it too because, uh, uh, you know, our, our core values and, and ethics really align line right straight up. Awesome. Okay, well, you've had great success coaching at some previous Power 5 programs. And as you mentioned, BYU is on the cusp of becoming officially a Power 5 program. So how do you see your role as a coach evolving with this specific staff? What are, what are you going to bring to this staff? Well, having the opportunity to already be in the Big 12 for three years at TCU and then three years uh, in the SEC and then just coming from the Big 10, seeing a lot of different approaches, a lot of different um, game plans. Um, and I think just through that experience, uh, it allows me to you know kind of mesh with some really uh, strong BU, BYU tra- uh, traditions in, you know, Morgan, Lee, Amber. This place means a lot to them. And so when, when you're working with people that it means a lot to, you kind of get that vibe too. And coming to Provo, what do you like about Provo? I mean, tell some of the fans that even haven't visited Provo. The mountains are well known, but the facilities here at BYU – above some of the best in the world and so it's been awesome I think for you to come in and be able to see that what what's your first take on that well for one of the first texts when you know after I got announced and stuff was you know because I like to recruit uh was this place is unreal and it's not just unreal because of the facilities it's unreal because of the people the community but there's just the aesthetics too when you walk out in the morning yeah. and you're going to you know go for a run 
There's not, you know, the, there's a reason why people feature this place and they, vac- they vacation to this place because it, it is beautiful. BYU women's basketball assistant coach Aaron Koloff is with us on BYUSN. We've already talked a little bit about your role. I want to talk about some of your past specifically at Penn State. Um, you did a great job specifically with the bigs there and, and really helped them develop. So is that something that you're going to emphasize when you get to BYU, or, or how will your role with certain position groups and players evolve in Provo? Great question. Uh, really excited to come and work, you know, and, and be on this staff and also have somebody that's had a lot of success at the, at the big position in Morgan. Sure. Um, we got a, you know, Ambrose a great point guard. Lee could shoot it for days. Them kind of things are fun to see. And I've taken pride in my coaching career to be able to work with all position groups and kind of be multifaceted. Um, but, you know, Penn State, uh, you know, Penn State, we had to go and we had to work with, you know, work with you know, when I walked into a, a building program and we had to use the transfer portal and recruiting is the lifeline of every program. And the big part of, at BYU is you got to find the high character kids that can also compete on the court to help you compete in the Big 12. You mentioned the transfer portal, and with the roster turnover that you guys have had, a lot of holes to fill, a lot of question marks in certain areas. How is the roster looking right now? What are some of the holes that are are needing to be filled going into this year? Well, we've got a lot of high-character, strong kids that are, you know, good basketball IQ, probably look to get, uh, you know, a little more athletic, but also just a little more uh, scoring power with what they've uh, lost in that great team that they had last year. Um, Transfer portal allows you to do that. Um, And now it's obviously, you know, a little bit later in the portal now, not as many kids available. But this is going to be the game every year is uh, is getting kids the right fits out of the portal because there are some really good pieces. Okay, and I know that because BYU fans keep hitting me up about this, like, Spencer, what's the latest with Shaylee Gonzalez? Is there any chance she comes back? Like, what can you tell us about the Shaylee Gonzalez situation? She's in the transfer portal. She said she was going to leave. Lee Kamard said, hey, our arms are still wide open. You can come back. What's the latest with Shaylee? That's true. uh, Spot on with Lee. Um, The, you know, the three of us assistants and uh, Amber have direct uh, communication. Um, daily communication and so it's it's always a uh, you know that possibility but um you know we're, we're we're we'll accept her with open arms she's a she's a great ambassador for the program great ambassador for the university and so like you know that's just we're taking it day by day sure with that situation and um you know looking for the best and and we're 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 showing up every day working uh with the with the pieces that we got and we're going to go to work that's what we're going to do Let's talk about the pieces that you got, because you got some great returners coming back this next year. How do they look this summer? How have practices been going with this team? Yeah, been here, been here a week, and the one thing that is really evident is that you got kids that are eager to learn. Uh, they're coachable, um, really getting uh, Amber's philosophy and her foundation um, pace. There's a lot of things just going from. You know, the first workout I, you know, I was able to observe to, you know, getting excited about ours today. Um, yesterday was a uh, was a good workout where there was a lot of um, a lot of energy, mm. and, and she's big on energy and effort, um, communication, 
being, getting on the same page. And the more that you do that, you build your foundation. We're looking at some of those key returners on the screen. I know Lauren Gustin, Emma Calvert, uh, a big that can absolutely shoot it. Nani Falate is a sharp shooter. Kaylee Smiler brings significant experience. She, too, is a shooter. What do you like about the returning core the most, Aaron? Their toughness. They got, uh, you know, just speaking on Nani and uh, Lauren, them are some tough kids. Um, and they're kids that are wanting to win. Um, and they're kids that are going to get after it every day. Uh, you, you know, you just, you, just, you just want them to be, you know, just 1% better every day. Uh, and, and it's going to be the key to our success this year is for some of the kids that maybe didn't have as mm. high a numbers last year or experience to be efficient and be productive. All right, we've talked about the team. Now let's talk a little bit about the coaching staff. And you're you're the last piece that has been put together. So who is the most competitive on the coaching staff? <laughs> and who is the best shooter on the coaching staff? Well, the, sh the shooter is still to be determined because we have not seen <laughs> any reps. I'm looking forward to get involved in that. Okay. And competitive. Um, I think that's the thing that I'm really excited about is there's not a like there's not a weak link as far as competitiveness and drive and work ethic on this staff. And, mm. and I think that's, that's a recipe for success uh, within itself. Okay. You just tell Lee that uh, you and Morgan are coming for him, right? Not to yeah. mention Amber. Lee just, Lee just he don't, make it, don't make him comfortable, okay? You don't have to, but you really don't have to tell him. He knows. Yeah, that's true. Knows. They know. We know. Touche. Touche. Aaron Koloff is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Where did your relationship with Amber Whiting begin? Absolutely. Absolutely. So known, known Amber and Trent uh, for a couple of years and stuff. And then it was, um, you know, I got a phone call a couple of years ago uh, from a, a coach, a friend of mine, obviously been a couple of places, got a lot of different networks. And they're like, hey, I just want to introduce you. I want to make a phone call, introduce you to this, uh, the, the parents of, the, of a really good player. And, mm -hmm. So that's how it started. Gotcha. Uh, got connected. It was a three-way call with Trent and then with Amber. And and when when I saw the announcement um, that you know she was the head coach here, reached out to her right away. Just said, "Hey, congrats, this and that." Feedback was, "Hey, do you mind? You want to talk? You know, like let's let's do it." Happened to be that she was going to go into um, they were going to play in the AAU tournament that weekend. Went and. Changed my travels, went and saw it just on purpose, not just like to go watch and see how she conducted herself because I'm looking to be around high-energy people, mm -hmm. a good vibe, and that's just kind of, you know, you don't have to be around her long to um, to gather that, that uh, she's got all the winning characteristics uh, to be successful. This is a team that uh, year after year has really competed for West Coast Conference championships, both with the regular season level and in the tournament. Um, they let one slip away in the tournament last year, but had one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen in BYU women's basketball history. Six seed in the NCAA tournament. Again, disappointing finish. So how do you plan to maintain that level because i mean that's a lot to ask you're losing some key pieces some key seniors potentially some key transfers but every fan's like oh man that was so fun how do we do that again right. how do you make that happen in year number one with this new staff show up and do the work show up and do the work you gotta gotta get these kids believing you gotta get them because they know what it looks like to win now you know they just some of them have assumed uh, different roles so you got to show up work um, and, and let the chips fall. Okay. I think a lot of times, uh, 
you know, two people worry about things that are out of their control. So we're going to control the controllables, and we're going to we're going to we're going to we're going to show up. Kristen, I'm not doubting the fact that this team will have incredible work ethic. Oh my gosh! Okay, yeah. work, work the is the staff. key word. Yes, work. Yeah, because uh, work is work. Is you know, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of people that it's just what it is, and that's why you gotta you gotta put that as your foundation. And then as long as your chemistry is good, you give yourself a chance. Aaron, great to have you as part of BYU Sports yes. Nation on the BYU Welcome women's basketball to the staff. Fam. Yeah. Looking we're su- we're super stoked to have you here. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. And it's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of great memories ahead. And me and my family are blessed to um, to be coming to Provo and call it home. Let's go. Awesome. The work awesome. is about yeah. to happen. It's happening now, and it will continue to happen. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Let's whip it. Good whip round presented by Marisk, your integrated container logistics company enabling global trade for a growing world. Blaine, start us off. Okay, BYU jumps to the top of the Bill Connolly returning production list in his latest update. I like. So this is something he does every year. Um, what does this mean for BYU? So. Um, they're, they're number one, meaning what he does, he has this formula and he takes defensive and offensive production. So players returning that have tackles, interceptions, pass breakups on the offensive side, reception yards, running sure. yards. So he takes all of these numbers on the defensive and offensive side and puts it into a formula and determines which teams have the most returning production in the country. BYU is number one yep. in the country for returning production. So what does it mean? It means BYU is going to be a really good football team, Blaine. Yeah. O- Ohio State still in top 25, <laughs> which it, it says it's almost unheard of um, for a team that's as elite. Because what happens with Ohio State is they get seven NFL draft picks every year. or six, you know. So they lose so much, they're usually not in here, but they reload so well, they are. A couple of teams that were really high in these rankings last year, Utah and Baylor. Yeah, had a, had a lot of returning. That's why everyone was so worked flush. out for them. And and Baylor not only had returning guys, but they had like returning COVID guys, so like six year guys, a bunch of them. They had a really veteran offensive line. The back seven on their defense were all seniors and veteran guys. The Big Twelve champions and the Pac twelve champions, respectively. Yeah. Those and two so teams. so this number does mean something, especially for BYU. Interestingly so much enough, production coming back. USF, who BYU opens up against. Also has 85% of their returning production. They're yeah. number two on the list. Yes, that's going to be interesting. Yeah. This means BYU is going to be a good team, and they're going to win 10 games. That's, yeah, that's B- what it means. And BYU, they didn't do so well the last time they were down there. So they have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Backup BYU quarterback Jacob Conover posted the following video of a throw into a trash can. Blaine, as you watch this, number 17 with the touch into a trash can, are you impressed? Yes and no. <laughs> they practice this every day. He should be able to throw it in a trash can. Okay. You and I can still throw it in a trash can. Well, maybe not you. No, you could. Come on now. You could. No, I, but but they, they practice this. This is when, when the team lines up on the goal line and they run a fade route, you throw it to a spot. So if you're going to hit Gunner or you're going to put Rex out there sure. um, on the outside, 
you throw it so that it comes down at a certain point right behind the pylon so only your receiver can get it. So that's a drill they practice every day. Um, I, I like he, he says, hey, fun tradition every game week. The quarterbacks have trash can competitions. We keep track throughout the season. Um, and he, he posted that. I'll tell you what. A lot of people are sleeping on Jacob Conover. I had a nice conversation with Max Hall recently. I I have high hopes for this kid, Blaine. Yeah. Oh, I, he's. I, I have high hopes for Jacob Conover. He's got the skill set that that he rocket can, arm. And and they have great talent and depth there. So, okay, next big game boomer ranked the most. This is, I've been waiting for this one all day. By the way. <laughs> they, they rank the most and least sensitive college fan bases. How dare you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he has BYU ranked as the 20th most sensitive fan base, okay. <laughs> but Utah is the 13th most sensitive fan base. Are you angry that BYU was ranked lower than Utah in the sensitive? Never. Scale? This is the one poll. <laughs> this is the one poll that I absolutely have no issues with being ranked below Utah in, in terms of most sensitive fan bases. I want to know how Arkansas feels. BYU plays Arkansas this they year. They're number one. Well, how about the fact that, that Texas is number two? And you know that Taysom Hill hurt their feelings a lot. <laughs> He hurt their feelings. It wasn't good. And uh, and Oklahoma, Oklahoma and Texas, I mean, their feelings are so hurt, they're going to change leagues. They're going to go to the SEC because they just don't feel like they're respected. They're just too sensitive. <laughs> but Utah's 13 and BYU's 20. I, I, I don't know. Maybe this is a gross generalization. I feel like more Utah fans like follow BYU social media and BYU stuff so they can complain about it if they're offended. <laughs> then the reverse. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe just as many BYU fans follow Utah. And maybe the Utah that. ones that I'm aware of are just more vocal. But it seems like to me that BYU fans on their fan chats and things, they're posting things. And Utah fans are in there getting involved with it because it's hurting their feelings. <laughs> it's hurting their feelings. So we're both sensitive fan bases. Yes, I love it. we've got to be I sensitive. Love it. We have to be sensitive to one another's feelings. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. NFL Draft Insider Matt Miller has projected Jaron Hall as the ninth overall pick in the first round of next year's draft. Other experts are joining Miller, Blaine, including John Helmkamp of the New York Post, who says... Jaron Hall is my pick to be the quarterback that has a meteoric rise heading to next year's draft. What does a meteoric rise mean? Well, we're going to discuss that. Remember, at this point going into his 2020 season, one Zach Wilson was very much way off the NFL right. radar. What does Jaron Hall have to do in 2022 to be as good or even better than Zach Wilson in 2020 and make a similar meteoric rise. It's the meteoric rise. I think for Zach, we all knew that Zach had a skill set of any NFL quarterback. Oh, I got blue in the face all 
his entire sophomore season saying, wait until he's healthy. Yep. Wait until he's he, healthy. He had shoulder problems. He broke the thumb. Yes. He had all, but, and Zach came in. He was kind of a, like, we call him a gunslinger, where he just, hey, I'm going to push the ball in there because I can. So he would push the ball into spots. He'd drive me a little bit crazy. Sure. But I kept thinking. Gambler. Yeah. He, gambler's a good word for it. I'm going to take a gamble. I think I can fit the ball in there. Um, and at the end of the year, the light bulb started to come on. And, and, and I felt like, okay, he, he's figuring this thing out. And with his skill set, if he can be healthy next year, he's going to be ridiculous. But he was completely off of everybody's radar because of that. And the, the skill set was never in question. It was, could he be a good decision maker and could he stay healthy? And when he did, oh, my goodness, was he good. We saw what happened. He became the number two overall pick in the NFL and draft. So, and so can, can Jaron... Can Jaron do that? Well, Jaron's not as far off the radar. He's not as far. They talk about a meteoric rise. Right? You already in the offseason have people projecting him as a first-round draft pick. Yeah. A couple of different national pundits have him as a first-round draft pick. Consensus right now is like second to third-round right. pick. So, so everybody has him as a draft pick. Yes. So can it really be as meteoric as nobody's even talking about him to the number two pick? But but then then the question is, can he be – as good or better than Zach as a, as a senior, and can he move in into the top 10? Could BYU have back-to-back top 10 draft pick quarterbacks? Well, here's the advantage that Jaron has in this situation. He's got a schedule that will absolutely grab the nation's attention and right. all the NFL draft experts' attention. Just com- but, but com- let's compare yeah, the so sophomore if you, seasons. If, if, if you look at this they're in their sophomore years, now remember, you, you just reminded us that – that Zach had a thumb injury. And, yeah, and he's banged up. But the 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 stat that is the really telling tale about what we talk about the difference between the two is sophomores. Look at the touchdown to interception ratio. Zach threw eleven touchdowns and nine picks. He was more apt to push the ball into tight spots and and feel like I can just make this play with my my arm. I I felt that Jaron Hall was further along in his grasp of the offense. He stayed healthier, so he's more consistently in there, so he could grow throughout the season. But how about 20 touchdowns and five interceptions as a sophomore? Yeah, how about that decision-making and, as and a so, sophomore? So, and that translates to the big difference in pass efficiency rating. Yards were similar. Um, they're both very productive as, as, as a sophomore group. So now it's interesting. Jaron Hall get just a little bit more aggressive this next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you talk about Zach's – junior season before he went out <laughs> 3,692 yards 33 touchdowns and three interceptions uh, an 11 to 1 touchdown to interception 33 ratio. to 3 for Pete's sakes not to mention I think he had 10 touchdowns rushing on the ground Blaine. yeah 10 touchdowns rushing and he was always a threat to convert a big third down if they cut co- if they played coverage he'd run around the fun part is is that Jaron Hall is every bit the athlete so and and faster flat-out foot speed, so he's very dangerous with his feet. They both have great arm strength. Zach maybe has just a little bit more arm talent, um, but but not by far. So I this is an exciting year. And and Jaron, hey, Zach had a great offensive line, but Jaron may have one of the best offensive line BYU's ever assembled. Isn't that crazy to think about? Because we were all like, holy cow, Zach Wilson's got forever to yeah. throw back there. Uh, and now we're thinking – is this, this offensive line this better group, than what 2020 this did? This group could be better. Which and so if they and then if they can run the ball. So if the transfer Brooks 
pans out, if Lopini steps up and stays healthy, if uh, Miles Davis uh, comes back from his injury and is really good, if, uh, you know, on and on and on, McChesney, if he can be healthy and contribute, they have, they have good running backs. With that line in front of them, like you and I might be able to get a few yards. <laughs> like if I'm lead blocking and you're the tailback and it's third and one, we, we might we get a first might down. Get a first we down. might get a first That's down. how good this line is. And then you <laughs> then you put the fact that you've got hey, Mooley is a transfer in here that's a road grader. Mason Wake's gonna be healthy. Um there's you well, you've got two marquee wide receivers that are NFL, you know, sure. caliber talent, um, and Puka Nakua and, and Romney coming back. Jaron may be surrounded with more talent yeah. going into this year. And so I think he's going to be on the radar all season long. And if he stays healthy, a lot depends on how BYU does. Because part of Zach's Absolutely. was, first of all, nobody else was playing. So he was on national TV every week and everybody was paying attention. He was putting up phenomenal numbers. Sure. And the knock on Zach was, well, who is he beating? Right. Who is he beating? There will be no knock on Jaron Hall right, for schedule. who is he beating because you can look at who he beat last year. Right. And then this schedule is similar. And 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 so it's it's a it's a challenging schedule, but you got to win to get recognition. Amen. And you've got to win against these P5 teams, which BYU is going to be next season for them to go look at. The level of competition was great and he performed at a high level regardless of who it was. Maybe he is a top 10 pick. And so if he, if he wants to match what Zach does, having a, a great record is part of it. And you and I have already talked this year, like yes. what's the over-under on wins? I think Vegas thinks it's about 8, 8.5, maybe 9. I think it's 9 or 10 because of what we're just talking about and if the defense can stay healthy at linebacker. Um, and, you know, we're watching Jaron Hall. He can make every throw. And he's got that guy, Puka Nakua, that's got an incredible that, wealth of wide receivers. Doesn't matter talent. if he's covered, throw it anyhow. He'll go, he'll go make the play, right? We saw that against Baylor. Yeah. He made Baylor look bad. Puka did. So, yeah, so I, I think he has every opportunity to kind of rise to the top um, and securely put himself sure. as a first round draft pick. Yeah, and we're strictly comparing Zach Wilson to Jaron Hall. Like, hey, what does Jaron Hall have to do to get on Zach Wilson's level in 2020? It's not going to take 43 total touchdowns and three interceptions, frankly, because Jaron Hall is going to face much stiffer competition. Right. right. Okay. So we're we are we are not, at least I am not saying, oh, he's got to go 43 total touchdowns and three interceptions. But not, no, no, no. We got to prorate this thing, right? Right. right. So if Jaron Hall, like you said, can be a little more aggressive, how about I don't know, 28 touchdown passes and maybe. Six or seven picks. So he's got a four to one. Yeah. Okay. Against a really, really tough schedule. Four, four to one is phenomenal against that level. Yes. Of playing. He'll get some touchdowns, certainly, with his feet as well, because we all know what Jaron Hall can yep. do with his feet. Ask Baylor and others and Utah, uh, whom he embarrassed a few times. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we, we're prorating this thing. The other tough thing is Jaron Hall doesn't have to be the second overall pick either. No. Because this is a way more loaded quarterback yes. class. Okay. Zach had Trevor Lawrence in front of him, and then it was kind of, yeah. uh, wh- what else after that? This is There are like four or five elite-level quarterbacks in this draft class. Jaron's trying to crack into that top five, right? So we got to think about that as well. But to your point, BYU has to win. They don't have to win all of their games. In fact, 
a nine and three regular season, ten and three with a bowl game win yeah. would be plenty. Puts him in a great position with the numbers I just presented to put him as a top fifteen pick in the NFL draft and, and a great pro day, right? Yes, because remember Zach, they were talking pro late first round, and yeah. then he literally stole pro day from everybody else that yes. had a pro day. Throw and that the put, pro that, day that season at number two. So Jaron also has to do that. Okay, so there you go. An apt point. Our question of the day: What do you think Jaron Hall has to do? in 2022 to be as good or better than 2020's Zach Wilson. Let's hear from you, BYUSN, in Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Tom Newfer answers on Twitter. Jaron would have to drop it on a dime like Zach did. Remember the tiny spaces from 30 to 40 yards away that Zach hit in stride. The touchdown-to-interception ratio yards and percentage are the measurables, but eyeball test. Can Jaron hit those tiny holes or spaces that Zach did? Can't wait to see it. Again, we're prorating it because Zach was doing it against Louisiana Tech and Texas State at times. He did beat Houston and Boise State and UCF, all solid wins. Like, Jaron was doing some really good things and hitting some spots last year against Power 5 programs. Right, against Utah and Arizona State, who was healthy and really good at the time. And, hey, Arkansas's, you know, on the schedule. Um, um, it's, it is a schedule that is loaded again, right, with a lot of talent, with better secondaries. Yes. Baylor's on the schedule again. Let's Although. Go. Weren't those four senior starters in the second? In fact, weren't they four COVID senior starters in the secondary for Baylor last they're year? They're gone. I think they're all gone. Yeah. So maybe they're a different team. They're a different but team. But Baylor always they'll be good. Is, is, is going to have talent. This is a P five. It's a P five schedule this year again. And so I'm with you. Nine or nine or ten wins really really shines a good four to one touchdown interception. Four to one touchdown interception. Yeah. Sixty five percent is what I want to see him throw in terms of a completion percentage. And I think we're now, in good shape. Now we're, we're talking. I think we're in good shape. All right. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Here are what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us now is the legendary BYU basketball star, a guy who has had a really nice professional career as well. In fact, it's continuing on in the basketball tournament coming up this summer. Jimmer Fredette joins us. Jimmer, great to have you back on the show. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I always enjoy coming on. Okay, so by default, because you just had your third child with your wife, Whitney, we uh, we need to ask you the basketball question, and I'm sure a billion people have asked you this, but have you settled into a zone defense, or are you still trying to play a little man-to-man? Yeah, no, we're basically right now we're in a box and one. Whitney is, uh, Whitney's got the baby and I am kind of in zone with the other two. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's, she's about man to man with that. And then I got the other two. So it's been, uh, it's been good. I, I know how to play against the box and one. I've done it several times. So we're, uh, we're doing well. Yeah. If there's anyone with experience in the box and one, it would be, it would be you. <laughs> Let's talk about Floyd Mayweather. Uh, I covered him for years down in Las Vegas, and now you are you are partnering with him in this basketball team. How did that come together? So back when I was playing with the Westchester Knicks, 
I played with a teammate named Jordan Crawford and Jordan Crawford became a really great friend of mine. Um, some probably know who he is. He's, you know, five, six, five, seven guard lightning quick, really just awesome guy. And he was extremely close with Floyd. Um, so he, uh, you know, kind of hung out with him and his group. Um, and he would come to our games every once in a while, Floyd at the, in Westchester and, and everything. So we got connected through him and then he started his own team in the TBT tournament and asked me if I wanted to be a part of it this time. So, uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, let's do it. Uh, you know, we're attracted to great players, have a good squad. So I'm excited for it. If you get in a fight with him, <laughs> just remember that his jab is what he made all his money on. So protect yourself yeah, yeah. from the jab. I will not be doing that. I will say that. <laughs> Jimmer, when you're approached about the basketball tournament and you had great success with Team Fredette, and that was a lot of fun for BYU fans and basketball fans in general to watch, uh, what was appealing about it uh, a second go-around? You know, you'd done it, so why, why did you want to do it again? Yeah. Well, you know, at this point, I mean, it's just fun, honestly. It's a fun tournament. It's kind of like an AAU tournament for older guys. Kind of just show up. Uh, with your flip-flops on, you don't have to go through anything. You just show up, warm up for 20 minutes, and then play the game. You know, and you have some great group of guys you can get together and your own group of guys that you go out there and play with. But also, I didn't play, uh, you know, basketball this season. So it's fun to be able to get out and play some competitive basketball in front of fans um, and kind of just go out and do my thing. So I'm excited for it. You're going to a workout right after this interview. As, as you take time off from basketball and you have, as you mentioned, this year – uh, how many shots do you have to get up before you feel like you've got your shot back? <laughs> you know, I've, I've, you know, I've continued to work out this whole time. You know, I haven't stopped working out just because I, first of all, I just love it. I love going to the gym by myself and just working out in general. So it'll be something that I do for probably the rest of my life, as long as my knees hold up and everything. So, but, uh, I, it's, it's, it, the very, it varies, you know, as a professional, you kind of get into a groove of where, you kind of figure it out on a day-to-day -day basis. Like some days you're like, oh, I'm feeling good today. You don't maybe need it as many shots. There's some days where you're not feeling as well and uh, you may need to get more shots up to get your rhythm. Um, but for me, it's more about going game speed every day, making sure that you're, you know, getting those games reps. And if you're doing that, then it's, you know, you're going to be more successful when you get on the court. Jimmer, we just watched Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors wrap up really a remarkable run back to NBA prominence. And without fail, basketball fans will be like, yeah, but did you see Jimmer at BYU? And we all talk about Steph, the way he shoots deep threes and whatnot. Do you feel like your timeline if it had been a little bit more congruent with Steph Curry's that things would have played out differently? Because that, a lot of people ask that. And I'm like, I don't know. Let's ask Jimmer. What do you think? Well, you know, Steph came into the league before I did. And, you know, so he was he was there um, earlier, but he wasn't able to be Steph for, you know, five, six years. You know, it took him a little while before he actually got, uh, you know, on the court where he was actually able to kind of shoot these shots and, and do this, this type of stuff. So, you know, I feel obviously um, when I came into the league, it was a little bit more even, you know, 10 or 11 years ago little bit more regimented of like are you a point guard are you a two guard you know they were trying to slot you into a different spot instead of now where everyone's just kind of a guard and or there's multiple positions you kind of change interchangeable type deals and they don't really care as much they just want guys that can shoot the ball um, from range and, and kind of play multiple positions handle it play off the ball that type of thing I think 
you know, a couple of years later probably would have benefited me. Um, you know, but at the same time, it just, you know, sometimes things happen the way that they happen for a reason. And, uh, you know, I did the best I could and put out, put out my effort and, uh, you know, did some great things and had some not great moments. And, uh, you know, you kind of just work through it. Mark Pope just signed a 6'11 kid who shoots the three. Uh, at what point, Jimmer, did you see the transition from the fans appreciating a three-point shot more so than even a slam dunk? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I mean, for sure, from my senior season, I mean, like, that was, you know, something in 2011 where, uh, I mean, if I dunked it, I think they would have been, they would have enjoyed that a lot because I didn't dunk it often. But <laughs> Hey, there's video but, evidence. We've seen it, Jimmer. Yeah. We've seen you there's do it. There's video evidence. There is. There's absolutely video evidence. But, uh, yeah, there's, I think the deep three was something that people were expecting. And once it happened, it's just as a, it's a crowd energizer for sure. And you can see that even with Steph in Golden State, whenever he makes a deep shot and goes on a run and it's kind of like a dagger type shot, the building just goes nuts. People love it. And, uh, you know, so I think it's because a lot of people can't can't do that, you know, so they're like, yeah, I can't dunk it or I can't shoot that shot from deep. So it kind of has the same type of uh, electricity when it goes through someone. So, uh, yeah, it's, it was a lot of fun, but I think that season really changed it. Jimmer Fredette is with us on BYU Sports Nation preparing for the basketball tournament. In fact, what's the timeline like for you as far as practices go and team chemistry and the buildup to the tournament? What are the next few weeks like for you and Team Mayweather, the money team? Yeah, we kind of just uh, – we got on a Zoom call the other day, kind of introduced everybody, kind of get in front of everyone. We've played against each other and with each other a lot with a lot of these guys. We're familiar with them um, and everything. And, you know, there's not a lot of practice time before. You know what I mean? You may get there a couple of days early. Some people do have like a little training camp during the summer, but that, you know, it kind of costs a lot of money. It depends on your sponsorship and all that stuff, depending on how you want to do it. Um, so a lot of times it's a couple of days before – you know, get a little practice in, but with these guys playing for so long, uh, professionally, you usually pick things up pretty quickly. You put in a few basic plays, um, and then you kind of know what other guys do. And then you kind of feel it out for the first half of the game. And then at that point, you're kind of just, you know, on, on the go and you figure it out pretty quickly when you play basketball for a long time. 64 teams in this field. How, how exactly does it work? And are we looking at August madness or is it get into September madness for the for the final four and the winning team gets a million bucks. How does, how does the tournament tournament format roll out? Yeah, they do it pretty quickly. Uh, it goes basically through the month of July. So they'll have three different, uh, you know, uh, different areas that people go to or three different weekends with different areas. People are in ours is in Dayton. Uh, we played July 24th, our first game and actually the end, the championship is on August 2nd. So, I mean, we would play basically like, 10 days straight, you know, that type of thing. If we were to keep playing, whereas some play in the beginning of July and then they have to wait until that final four, uh, you know, type, uh, type, uh, format that they have. So they kind of, you know, spread it out, but they do that for, uh, you know, money purposes to not have to pay so much, uh, you know, and spread it out too long. You know, they try to cram it into a couple weekends. Jimmer, you've had a very outstanding professional career. You've played in a number of leagues, a number of countries, and you've had peak performances in all of those. Uh, people can't help but wonder, okay, after the basketball tournament, because, you know, we're sure you're going to do what you do, man. You're going to put on a show. People are going to take notice. <laughs> what does the basketball road 
hold for you after the basketball tournament? You know, it's a great question. You know, honestly, I, I, I truly don't know at this point. Uh, you know, I've, I've played for you know over 10 seasons at, at this point. Um, I've had a great professional career. Um, and I obviously feel well enough to be able to continue to play, um, you know, but it's going to definitely take a, uh, uh, the right situation for me to go into. I'm not worried necessarily as much about the money of it or anything like that. I'm more concerned about lifestyle, family, yeah. uh, being able to enjoy my time wherever it is that I go. So I'm going to probably wait my time and, and see what that, that situation is um, and kind of figure it out at that point. But um, yeah, it's definitely more about fit and anything than, uh, than money at this point. You do seem to have a spark uh, when it comes to teaching with your apps and uh, TikToks and, and, and growing the game for, for a lot of kids all over the place. You enjoy that? Yeah, I do. It's, it was something I started a while back and people really started to enjoy it. A lot of kids and parents would come up to me and be like, I watch your videos all the time. Please keep doing them. <laughs> so, I mean, it just kind of was, you know, something natural for me. I was working out anyway. So I was like, just put up a camera and, and do some of these instructional videos. And that's something that I've done my entire life. One thing, you know, for me was that I, I'm not the most gifted athletically, you know, I wasn't the tallest, the longest, that type of person. So I had to work on my game a lot to get to the skill level to where I be, where I had to be. So I have a lot of knowledge of workouts and what I did to try to get better. And I just felt like it was uh, something that I should probably do. And, and uh, it's been well received. Jimmer, when you look at your professional career, like I said, you've had some incredible moments. Like I, just the other day, I was watching you go nuts in Madison Square Garden. It popped up on my YouTube feed. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch Jimmer torch the Knicks with the Sacramento Kings because it's fun. Okay, That's an unforgettable <laughs> moment in front of your family and friends in New York. And you dropped 73 in the CBA, which was just wild and kind of went viral in the basketball world. What's your peak performance in your professional career? Like what, what has been your peak performance? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. I mean, um, you know, I think probably the, the one game where I play, where I had 75 um, in China. So I, you know, I was fortunate there. I had three, I had three games where I scored over 70 in China. And uh, so that was, it happened three out of the four seasons. And like, it just kind of happened uh, all of a sudden. But that one game, when I scored 75, uh, I only had two points in the first quarter. And uh, so then that the, less, the rest of the three quarters, I was able to, you know, really score the basketball really well. Uh, you know, uh, the rest of that game. And, uh, you know, I just felt different that game. It was, yeah. I don't know, it was really weird. Like anytime you just shot the ball, it was going in. It didn't matter where my teammates <laughs> were getting me the ball everywhere, setting me screens everywhere. And it just kind of was one of those, one of those deals. But uh, yeah, you don't, you usually don't feel better than after scoring a 70 point game. Yeah. Sure. yeah. It's been five years. You dropped 75 points, <laughs> which is just insane. I've, I've never had that feeling. I'm going to go my whole life yeah. and never have that feeling. 40 points in the fourth quarter. What is going through your yeah. mind as you reflect on that? Like, what's in your head? Well, well it was funny because we were down that game, and I was just trying to come back and win. And, like like I said, I was just starting to shoot the ball really well, and, and I saw, like, we were down a, over 10 points, and I was like, I got to start shooting some threes to try to get us back into it. And we started getting some turnovers and I started getting transition threes and, 
you know, we just played super fast paced that game. Like at the end of the second half, just every time either make or miss, we were transition uh, screen into a shot, you know, or whatever it was. So I was just, you know, in a flow and my teammates knew it and they just got, got me the ball as best they could. Hey, last question for you. Um, Andrew Mickelson's going to join us here in studio in a few minutes. Former BYU punter, now an MMA guy. You might have seen his highlights on YouTube. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, I'm not fighting him either. <laughs> well, our question is, if you were to join the MMA, which former teammate would you want to face in the octagon? Oh, Jackson Emery. I want to knock him out. Absolutely. You kidding me? Would you go for yeah, the body or the head? Or how would, you, how would you combat Jackson Emery? <laughs> I'd probably go. Well, yeah, he has a weak core for sure. Now, especially now he's, you know, he's a little out of shape. Uh, you know, you know, hopefully he's listening to this, but, uh, you know, he has weak shins too. I'd probably go right after his shins. Doesn't he'd sound... probably just be down for the count. It sounds like he so... wouldn't even pass the physical just to get in the, in there, but he uh... might not. Yeah, no, he might not. For dead and, and Emery, that, that's, that's something. Yeah, that's that's a blockbuster. <laughs> that's for a sure. blockbuster. Uh, well, whether it's MMA or whatever you're going to pursue after basketball, uh, Jimmer, we appreciate that you make time for us. And just know, you know, if, if you're a coach or whatever it is you decide to do after basketball, there's always a spot for you here in Studio B and courtside at the Marriott Center if you want to analyze basketball. That is if you can, you know, handle Absolutely. us and specifically handle Jerem Jordan, who conveniently is not here today. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on there. He, he yeah, he definitely uh... – there's something going on there. I'll have to text him afterwards. But yeah, we'll do that. We'll have to do that. We'll have to do that one game this year and see how it goes. That'll be fun. Love it. Thanks, Jimmer. Okay. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Jimmer Fredette on BYU Sports Nation headed to the basketball tournament. Like you said, very quick turnaround. You play your first games on July 24th. They're wrapping that thing up first week of August. And so it is rapid fire basketball. But it's so much fun just to be able to watch him compete again yep. at, you know, somewhat of a high level. It gets, you know, some nice publicity, and it's easy to find on TV. Like, we can all watch this. So, hey, opportunity knocks for hey, BYU fans. I'm just impressed. He doesn't know what questions we're going to ask him. He had Jackson Emery named in <laughs> half a second as to who he'd like to see in the octagon. Weak shins. <laughs> Weak shins. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. A finalized BYU men's basketball roster. We think. At least reports have surfaced that all 13 scholarship pieces are in place with the latest edition of Noah Waterman, a stretch four, 6'11". Two years ago, shot 53% from the three-point line. That dipped a little bit last year, but now he's at BYU with Mark Pope and a revamped staff. There have been a ton of spots to fill. The coaches have worked hard, and now we think we have this finalized roster. So now we can push it forward, Kristen. Like, well, how will this BYU team stack up? What will the starting five look like? And most importantly, is this a BYU basketball roster that you believe will get BYU back to the NCAA tournament after the Cougars did not make the big dance last year? Well, if you're Mark Pope and his coaching staff, you sure hope it is with what you've done, put in that effort. Ten players. Ten. Ten 
from last year's roster between transfers, graduation, admission. Yep. So uh, in my perspective, I still think we're on the bubble, unfortunately. I okay. Think, I think we narrowly missed it this season. Okay. But if these transfers can't come in and make an immediate impact, which I think they can, they have to make that immediate impact, especially Rudy Williams at that point guard position. I think he's in. I think he's a lock for starting unless barring injuries. Then you got Trey Stewart. Trey Stewart, who's a returner, didn't get minutes last year. But this is a guy I've watched him all summer and seen him through scrimmages mm. throughout summer. He's emerging as okay. a, a player that can make an impact. Now he's an immediate defensive presence right Absolutely. because of his energy and right. his athleticism right. but the question mark on him was can he hit shots from the outside and score he's he's lightning fast right so off the dribble yes but can he hit, hit shots from the outside be okay. a three-level score so okay i like the that position at the, at the one spot and you bring in Noah waterman who's going to give you some size going to stretch the defense at that four spot maybe five spot backing up foose Returning Foose and Atiki inside. Okay, they, clearly BYU is doubling is, down like that's the post, right. right? That's the post. Yeah, and and I think they add that dimension of stretching the defense with Noah because teams now have either have to go small to guard him or they're going to bring their center and have to chase him around the perimeter, right? This is not unique to BYU basketball under Mark Pope because they asked Yoli Childs when they were playing oh, no. a four-out, one-in yes. offensive format, Yoli was kind of that stretch four, right? Right. Now, BYU clearly, we think, is going to do that again with Noah Waterman. Right. So as you continue to go down the roster, look at Spencer Johnson. Spencer had minutes last year. I think he's going to be a starter right there along Rudy Williams going in there. Then Trevin Nell. So Spencer and Trevin, the two experienced returners, potential seniors. Spencer, depending on how he uses that COVID year. I feel like they have enough pieces of experience mixed with transfers. But do they have someone that's going to emerge like an Alex Barcelo? Is there an alpha? Right? Who is the alpha on this team? And I think that's the biggest question mark. You need an alpha, maybe two, one or two of those players. I mean, last year we saw Alex needed help. He needed another star to step up and score. And I Especially think, when the two bigs got hurt. When Gavin Baxter and Richard Harward were out right. seven games into the season, it was like, okay, what now? And I think that player, in my mind, that stands out in the front is Foose. I mean, he averaged yeah. near a double-double. I think that he's got confidence now experience under him he was learning so much this last year right so now hopefully he can play off his instincts going into this next season but do we have that I think that's more the question mark that will lead us into the NCAA tournament okay some big questions that come up and, and you present a lot of ideas I, I do want to start here because you brought up Trey Stewart are you suggesting maybe that he will have some point guard handling duties behind Rudy Williams or is Trey specifically a wing player? Because if not, then is Dallin Hall off of his mission, the backup point guard? Right. What's BYU do after Rudy right. Williams I, at the I point mean, guard position? We haven't even talked about the missionaries coming back. So you got Dallin Hall, Tanner Toulson in there. Richie Saunders. Richie Saunders. Richie looked really good when I saw him this last week. And, and obviously they're trying to get their bodies back. Mm -hmm. It's such an adjustment off the mission, trying to come in mentally or start in school. I mean, it's just kind of a whirlwind, right? Sure. Richie looked good, but... Dallin is still pool workouts, trying to take it slow, trying to get his body back, not in the mix. There's still a lot of time till November. So is Trey handling the ball I after think Rudy? Trey, it, from what I've seen with Trey Stewart, he is greatly improved. Wow. Greatly improved. Right. And so I think he has that potential to help handle the ball, but also defend at the point guard because okay. you know he's quick enough to stay in Certainly. front of guys, and, and they will need that. Okay. The second question that comes up after uh, – some awesome analysis. And again, you've been watching the team um, and have had some access and exposure to them. What does BYU do with Atiki Ali Atiki? 
Like clearly he's the five, but how much is he going to play with Foose and Noah Waterman in the mix? I think those will be the two starting bigs. So sure. what is what is a Tiki's we expect it to be a grown role, but how much will that role grow? He is so raw still. Yes. Right? We saw that last year. He's just so raw in there, thrown into minutes that he was not expected. Same with Foose because of those injuries. So I think the development, even though he was thrown into that, may have halted just a little bit because the confidence goes down a little bit, right? When you're, you're being kind of yo-yoed in, depending on how you play, we need him to get his confidence up to be not just a raw player, but in there and be able to bang inside and be able to give maybe like eight, eight points, six rebounds a game to really just kind of be more of a force inside to help take that pressure off Foose. And if it's not going to be a tiki, I think it's going to be Waterman. Okay, so based on, and we like to put these players in roles, right? The leadership role. That's what we like to do. I feel like, even though Rudy Williams is a transfer with one year left, Mm -hmm. who he is, his personality, his style of play, because he's the point guard, he is the natural leader of the team. Yes. Okay. So he's got to win the trust. And from what I hear... That is going well so far. Like he is earning the trust of his teammates, but he's got to he's got to continue to earn that and be the leader. Like he's the dude. Right. He's the guy that's been to Kansas State, Coastal Carolina, JUCO. He's been all over the place. How can he gel and mold this team together and take that leadership role? I'm. With, I think Foose needs to be an alpha for sure. The guy who I want to take that step towards alpha is Gideon George. Yeah. Like I. He's a guy that feels like he can play in the NBA, Kristen. Absolutely. I mean, if he's he going to play in the waters. NBA, yes. If he's yeah. going to play in the NBA, he has to ascend to that alpha role. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, he put up some nice numbers, shot the ball relatively well, especially at the end of the season. Can Gideon George ascend to an alpha role? If he can join Foose as two alphas and then Rudy in that leadership role, okay, now we're talking because then you've got some nice experience pieces with Spencer Johnson there. And Trevin Nell has some experience coming back. But – I mean, if we're looking at the starting five right now, if you were saying, hey, Spencer, who who should start right now? Rudy Williams is clearly the point yes. guard. I would put Spencer Johnson the on two. the wing at yes. the two because I trust him to defend on the perimeter. Yeah. And he knows Mark he, he Pope's system. He that last year. Yes, he, he knows the system, right? Yeah. I'd put him at the two. I would start Gideon George at the three yeah. on the other side, other wing. And then Waterman is the stretch four. Big man, 6'11", can shoot it, and Foose and down Foose. low inside. Yeah. Okay, so that, that pretty, would be the starting good. five today if you were to say, hey, BYU's got to go play a basketball game tomorrow on July 1st. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think Rudy comes in, he's going to handle the ball the most, right, at that point guard position. You have to be a leader at the point guard spot because if you're not, it's not going to work. You have to set the tempo on both sides of the ball. I think Rudy has it in him, and especially with the experience he has coming in, he's going to be able just to be an impact right away, be right in that starting spot, handling the ball. Now, when you talk about the trust, that takes time, right? Earning yes. the trust of your players, being able to be not only get it done vocally out there on the court, but get it done with just your workmanship and, and having them buy into who Rudy is and wanting to back him. Go he's to a very impressive him. young oh, man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's been on the show. We love Rudy. Yes. We love that he's recruiting BYU. Like, I mean, in fact, he joked when Jackson Robinson signed, he's like, hey, you're welcome, BYU. I've, <laughs> been, on the, I've been on the recruiting trail, okay? That's Jackson's part of it, right? Jackson's a good player, too. Yes. So that was a big get for them. But uh, I think Rudy's got it in him, and I think Rudy could for sure be an alpha. Yes. And- okay. So, I, I mean, I look at the starting five, and I'm like, okay, the key reserves. And I feel like BYU, even though they lost so much, okay, there's still some experience depth there. Sure. Led by Trevin Nell and Jackson Robinson. Okay, and then – 
Atiki Ali Atiki. Trey Stewart Trey. is the one that I wonder about, Fresh right? Mark. How much will he play? And then can Dallin Hall get game ready? fresh off of his mission. I feel like those are the 10 in the mix. We'll see about Tanner Toulson. Tanner Toulson came off of his mission not fully healthy, uh, a little bit banged up. Um, and then Braden Moore, Richie Saunders looks good too. I, I feel right. like Richie's kind of the 11th man of the 13 scholarship well, players. you got to throw Jackson in there, Jackson Robinson. Yeah. I mean, he is sure. long, athletic. For sure. He, he's a key reserve. So is that is that a roster that can get BYU to the NCAA tournament? It feels bubblicious. Too early. It feels bubblicious. Yeah. Good players. They're gonna the the task is always tough when you have to bring in a bunch of new pieces and get them to gel fast because that, that's gonna be the I key. Think, I think you just answered the question though, can they gel together? Because I think they have the pieces to be an NCAA tournament team, but can they gel? Can the chemistry be there? That's gonna be the biggest key in mm. that chemistry. Leaderships, alpha roles assumed. The gel, like that, that is the challenge for the coaching staff, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah, looking forward to it. Right now feels bubblicious. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Cougar Whip Around presented by Marisk, your integrated container logistics company enabling global trade for a growing world. Kristen, take All it right. away. At CBK Reports tabs, BYU to be the best college hoops team in the state this upcoming okay. season. Will this be true at the end of the season? Yes, it will be true. In the state of Utah. Would I ever admit that it wouldn't be true? Are you kidding you me? have to, right? Okay, okay. I agree. Yeah, yes, it's, it's, I agree. Like, well, in, in all seriousness, as much as I love Craig Smith, like, he's a great coach. Did a good job. Chris Bird is now over there. Gavin Baxter's transferred from BYU to Utah. Like, they've got some good things going in that, in, in their, you know, positive direction. Utah but, State, even. You got to throw them in the mix. I still think BYU is going to end up being the best men's basketball team in the yes. state when all is said and done in 2022. Okay, ditto. I agree with that. Okay. I think they've got the pieces. We talked a lot about the pieces. And Mark Pope at the head, he's doing a good job. Yes. On to the next. Locally, the Utah Jazz are hosting a three-on-three basketball tournament. Kristen, if you were putting your team together, which two former or maybe current Cougars are you teaming up with? All right, this was easy for me. Okay. Came, came to mind Jimmer. Yep. I'm going to go with Jimmer, right? You mm -hmm. have to go with Jimmer. You got to have somebody on the outside. Then you got to have a bully down low, somebody down low. So I'm going to go with Hafa Alarujo. <laughs> a muscle inside. Size. Yes, you have to have size in there that can just bang it down low. And my fourth is going to be Tower House. You got to have a sub. Oh, you're going yeah. substitute role. Yeah. Okay, I like that. Yeah. See, I, didn't, I didn't go that route. You have to. Okay, you, but you're right. Okay, so now I'm thinking on the fly. I need a fourth. I'll tell you my first two. Yes, I'm with you. Jimmer Fredette. Come on. Jimmer Fredette was built to just crush a three-on-three yeah. -three tournament, Absolutely. right? You can't stop Jimmer. I don't care who you put on. In three-on-three -three format, you can't stop Jimmer. Then my big would be Brandon Davies. Ooh. Okay, you want to talk about toughness yeah. and skill playing in the Euro League? It's I think it's much more physical in the Euro League than it is in yeah, the NBA. For sure. Brandon Davies is my big. As my fourth, yeah, I just want to. I just want another elite shooter. So I'm going with Alex Barcelo. Okay. Alex is playing at the highest level, at the top of his game right now. He has been working all summer long. He is in prime condition to crush in a three and three Pretty tournament. Good. I still think Jimmer, we beat you. AB but. for three. And Brandon Jimmer Davies. Jimmer would come to my side, so <laughs> that leaves you with three. 
Okay. All right. Former BYU O-line coach and current Baylor O-line coach Eric Mateos tweeted out a picture of what he called the coolest birthday gift ever. All right. It's a belt buckle that says Big 12 champions. So what will you be getting when BYU wins the Big 12 championship? What will I be getting? Yes. What would you like to get as a gift? Yeah, the belt buckle is such a Texas tough guy thing, right? Absolutely. So I was thinking, like, what is unique to Utah like that? And I couldn't really come up with any. A beehive? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to get a beehive, okay? Uh, But I do love golf, though. So I'd probably get, like, I don't know, custom-made, like, golf clubs that have Big 12 champs inscribed on the outside of the face of the club, okay. something like that. All right. To remind myself every day as I swing my clubs in the summer, I'm a Big 12 champion. Okay. I okay. think I'd go with the ring. You just want a ring? Yes. Well, I'm not a bling guy. Use. I know, but something you can use and show off, right? Are you going to wear that belt buckle much? No. How much are you going to use the golf clubs? You no, know I do want a belt buckle after BYU beats Baylor that says we beat Baylor. Okay. <laughs> I get I'd it. I'd like Eric to see that belt buckle too. Hey, Eric. How's it going, man? <laughs> you would proudly sport that thing. Vengeance, petty and vindictive. All right, I'm all for it. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Andrew Mickelson, roughly 60 hours removed from that big win in the octagon. Thanks for coming in, man. Congratulations on a wild and celebratory weekend. Appreciate it. Thanks you for having me. There's a power to social media. Everyone's seen your 41 seconds of glory. Yeah. Are you surprised at how, how it's moved around so quickly? Surprised is not the right word. It's like more than surprised. It's been crazy. So, Who's the most random person that's reached out to you to congratulate you? Um, I don't know about random, but I mean, friends and family that have come out of the woodwork that I haven't heard from in a couple of years are like, dude, Old cousins. you're my hero now. It's like, okay, cool. Good to hear from you. Well, we just, Jimmer Fredette just said, that was amazing, right? Yeah. Jimmer saw your fire. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. That's, cool. that's next level. So explain what it feels like when um, you're in the octagon. It's you and the opponent and the, and the referee and the fight's about to start and you look over at a guy who wants to knock you out. Now you want to do the same to him, but you're looking at someone who's coming at you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most of us go through life trying to avoid that feeling, and you're signing up for it. What's it like? Um, it's it's tough to describe. I couldn't really, I couldn't really compare it to any other feeling. But it is similar to standing in the tunnel at Lavelle Edwards mm. with a packed house, hearing everybody screaming. You get kind of the same butterflies. It's exciting. Yeah. Um, and you just want to go out there and put on a show. So, wow, forty-second knockout for you. I mean, incredibly impressive. Uh-huh. Walk us through the road that took you to MMA because you're a kicker at BYU. And I mean, I remember having conversations with you on the sideline at different road games, whatever, and you know, saying hi to Andrew. And now you're a few years removed from this, and you're you become this budding MMA star, if you will. How did you get to the point from kicking at BYU to forty-second knockout? Yeah, man. It's been a wild ride. Honestly, um, focused on football, obviously, during my BYU days, but was always a big fan of the UFC and followed the sport pretty closely, was buying the pay-per-views, following my favorite fighters. And um, once my playing days were were over at BYU, 
I was just working a nine to five, getting a dad bod. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this MMA stuff a try. Um, I have a brother that has trained for several years. He's got a few fights under his belt and he's had some good success and he's here local. And we both decided to, Hey, let's, let's, let's team up with a local gym here and get some training in. And then a few months later, I was begging the coach for a, a fight. And he said, yeah, I think you're ready. Let's tee up tee up a fight for you and that fight went well it was another first round finish um and then i've kind of had the bug ever since yeah so are you four and one as a professional fighter three and one three as and one. an amateur fighter okay okay yeah. sorry yeah as an amateur fighter what I was mean, the one loss I like i mean you know we, we we love handling success but sometimes we learn more in a in a defeat yeah the loss was crazy so um really short notice fight against a guy who was ranked in the top five in the country in the amateur ranks kid out of Arizona really really great wrestling pedigree and I had been fighting mostly local Utah talent other amateurs from the area um, and my first couple fights were quick um, and obviously went my way so kind of the next step was to yeah. kind of take it more national and, and find an opponent that had a little bit more recognition. And so definitely daunting and intimidating, but it was a good fight. Um, lost a decision, a little bit of controversy with, with the judges' scorecards. I personally feel like the judges got it right, but uh, the dude was a high, high-level wrestler. I went out with my striking and, and landed some significant damage on the dude, but at the end of the day, lost a close decision, so... You uh, were in on 177 kickoffs at mm -hmm. BYU, which means um, you were in combat on special teams. So you got a chance to hit a lot of guys. Mm -hmm. um, for a kicker, which we, we, we go, well, kickers don't hit guys. You hit a lot of guys here. So that football experience here kind of prep you a little bit? You weren't back there protected by everybody. A little bit. I don't know. I'm a physical guy that kind of likes to get in there. So. Yeah. Fortunately, Ed Lamb had some confidence in my abilities to go down and cover. So yeah. I have Ed to thank for that. He said, hey, man, don't don't play safety. If you want, run down there and make a play. We'd all go crazy yeah. for it. And yeah. so fortunately, ha had some opportunities to do that while I was here. Well, with Ed in mind and having Blaine Fowler on the show yesterday, we were talking, like, they both got old man strength, right? Like, yeah. Ed and Blaine both, no like, in their own right, have that old man strength. And uh, Blaine yesterday was joking, like, oh, yeah, I could last at least three rounds in the octagon with Andrew just, for, for, just based on my old man's strength. Let me just interject here. The, Blaine thinks the octagon is bigger than it is. <laughs> if he thinks he could run and avoid you for a couple of rounds, there is zero truth to that. <laughs> zero truth. But you said, very humble approach yesterday, you tweeted, I want no part of Blaine Fowler in the cage. Old man's strength is real. I'm not trying to catch those hands. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to mess with Blaine. I don't want to mess with He's Blaine. got some guns. He He's does. got some guns, but I, I, my money, my house, You're... everything would be on you. <laughs> it would, all, it's all on Andrew. It would all be on you, Andrew. What, uh, what current BYU special team guy do you think? Have, do you think Rico will have a chance in, in your world over there? I think Rico could go do whatever he wanted. The dude's clearly a stud athlete. Yeah. You know, I think he's, he's earning some respect for the specialists out there. So... Hey, we're just happy to have you here, and congratulations. Yeah, congrats, man. Yeah, appreciate it. By the it. way, how does your wife feel about all this? Is she cool with it? She is not cool with it, <laughs> but she is supportive because she knows I love it, 
every single time I get in there and then the you know fight's over she's like great that was a great one to end on yeah and i'm like i don't know we'll, Look, we'll see Give just send a her a lot of flowers month. send her a lot of flowers we got to get you on the pat mcafee show by the way okay because he gave you a shout out for the brand he loves yeah. tough guy kickers and punters we somehow got to get you on the pat mcafee show i'm not going to say anything but tune in today oh let's go approximately 2 p.m eastern oh, fantastic there may or may not be somebody on there that we recognize <laughs> that's all your day started with a Jimmer endorsement, and then you got, then they got this. This is a good day for you. It's a it, super Tuesday. It's been a pretty crazy 48 hours. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thanks for slumming it with us in Studio B. No way, man. Thanks for having me. It's awesome. been a pleasure. You got it. Thanks, Andrew. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast Every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.